this is Janice Rainey. Do you know exactly where you will be in the next, let's say, three or maybe five years? Well, to be honest, tomorrow is not promised to anyone, but it is good to have a vision and future plans. Do you know that God has invested in your future and has plans for you? Listen as Pastor Derek shares about how God has invested in your future for a glorious end. Be blessed. Ah, y'all, I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty good this morning. You know, the brothers, we, we had breakfast and uh, we met this morning and I called myself trying to send out a remind me on yesterday. I was trying to be proactive and look at the list, go down the list, y'all, and make sure I sent everybody a remind me. And guess who I left off the list? Uncle Tim. <laughs> hey, Tim, it's pretty much I ain't one. <laughs> And, uh, but nonetheless, y'all, we had a great time this morning. We always try to do that on the first Sunday where we try to get together, come together as men, fellowship, and just have some time together as men. And uh, we really enjoy that time together. So I'm, I'm full and I'm, I'm, I'm spiritually filled and I'm good. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah chapter 29. And um, I want to share something with you real briefly. I want to talk to you this morning on this thought here. God has invested in your future. God has invested in your future. He's invested in my future. And he's concerned with my future value. He's concerned with your future value. And the Bible is very clear when it says that there is nothing new under the sun. What has been or what is has been before. There's nothing new under the sun. And we now know that history has a way of being repetitive or repeats itself if we fail to learn what it is that God is trying to teach us through the different life events and circumstances that will overtake us in life. There are events, life circumstances that have overtaken me and that will continue to overtake me. There are events and circumstances that have happened in your life that will continue to happen in your life. And it's God's will that through these events and circumstances that we don't, that we grow better but we don't grow bitter. It's God's circumstance. Uh, when, when God declares a thing, whenever he declares a thing, he declares its end at the very beginning. So as it relates to my life and as it relates to your life, our end has already been declared. But, uh, but, uh, but the good news is that that end is glorious. God is doing something with me. He's doing something with you. And there's an aim in my life and in your life that he wants to bring to pass. And I want to encourage you because it's a good end. It's not a bad end. And when you look, it would be Job. Matter of fact, it was Job that told us in scripture that 
a man's days have already been determined. His months has already been decreed and that God has established certain boundaries and those boundaries that he's established, no one could go beyond those boundaries. And so when you think about it, all the days, your days have already been ordained and God has already created good works that me and you should walk in them. Whenever he makes a promise, he sees to it that he carries out that promise. Whatever God has promised me, whatever he's promised you, God will see it through that that promise comes to pass. But the struggle for us is oftentimes we see the promise, we grab hold of the promise, but we don't like the journey to get to it. The journey sometimes is, can be too difficult. The struggle sometimes can be too overwhelming. So we like the end result, but we just don't want to go through in order to get to. But whatever he's promised, he will see it through. When you look at the appearing and the birth of Jesus Christ, that was the fulfillment of promise. You get to the book of Joel, chapter 2, verse 28, and Joel talked about there would be a time that God would pour out his spirit upon all flesh, upon men, women. He would pour out his spirit. That, was, that happened in the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost when God poured out his spirit because in the Old Testament, not everyone had the Holy Spirit. But it was reserved for kings and people who were appointed to certain special tasks or or a special work and he would be anointed and God's spirit would rest up on them in order to carry out that work. But now we, I think we have a greater responsibility because guess what? Now we all have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And the moment you give your life to the Lord, he gives you his spirit as a seal guaranteeing the promise of everlasting life. And now we gotta, I got to deal with that because now the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not an it. You know, we've heard that saying, when it get all of you. No, he's a person. And we have to make, we have to clearly distinguish that because when I was in church, you know, as a kid and, the, and it would get on some folk and they would show out. And they get to running and bucking and kicking and, and all this stuff. And I said, whatever it is, I don't want it. But the Holy Spirit is a person. The, an, an intelligent person, he's the third person of the Godhead. And so now we live in a time where God has given each of us his spirit to them who believe. But that was him fulfilling promise. He promised that Jesus would go to the cross. He would be spat up on. He would be beaten. He would be mocked. He would be, he, he would be mutilated in terms of, he would be flogged and beaten for my sins and for your sin. But on the third day, he would rise again with all power in his hand. And he took my punishment, your punishment. He took my sin, your sin, and he nailed it to the cross along with his regulations. And that was God fulfilling promise. So whatever he's promised you, it will come to pass. But it doesn't mean that it's going to be hunky-dory along the way. But it means that he will bless you. 
And see, a lot of us can testify to that because see, it's some folk that have been sick, that is show, I'm to my show enough been sick. And you've been at a point where you can't, where, where, where you can't respond, where physically you know that you're going through some things, but God saw you through it. And now on the backside of that thing, you can look back at it and you can see how God used that sickness to grow you, to mature you, and to bring you into a closer relationship with who he is. It would be in the book of Jeremiah that Jeremiah lived in some of the most, what would probably be one of the most difficult times and darkest times in the history of Israel. The country was now divided. There was a northern kingdom and there was a southern kingdom and they were divided. Nationally or socially as a nation, they were characterized by apostasy. They had turned from God. They knew what God's law was. They knew what God's commandment was. They knew and understood what God had demanded with regard to worship. But they turned from God and they abandoned him to go after idols and foreign and false gods that, they, that their fathers had not known. And God's eye is always on the sparrow. And Jeremiah was in this time, he was, God had anointed him to be in a very dark situation, but yet in that situation, I want you to exemplify and represent me to the people. And it's no different than the mandate that he's given us the church. So although we're surrounded by worldliness, although we're surrounded by sin, although we're surrounded by darkness, wherever you go, it's your responsibility to represent Jesus Christ in that arena. And he's given you his spirit and he says, as though I myself am making my very appeal through you. And we have, it, it's difficult because we're surrounded by so much worldliness and worldliness is, is creeping its way up into the church. That when you come into the church, it's difficult to discern the difference between the two. Because we see things that go on up in the church, we see the same thing that go on in the world. And so they had turned from God. They had abandoned God. They were no longer treating one another with justice. But they were cheating one another, finding a way to get over on each other. The scripture says that they were shedding innocent blood, finding ways to put people to death in order to be able to take property and to be able to take from them. Divided kingdom, much like we are today. We're, we're referred to as the United States, but every state do its own thing. And then within the nation, we, we have political parties and Jesus himself said that a house divided against itself cannot stand, but it will fall. And I don't know why we think we're any different, but that's a whole nother story. But Jeremiah found himself in this context where he has the spirit of the Lord upon him to proclaim a message to the people. He has the responsibility of representing God to a people who don't want to hear nothing about God who rejects the very message of God. And we too find ourselves in context where maybe it's on our job, 
Maybe it's in our home. Maybe it's among our friends where it's difficult for us to live out the convictions of our faith because of the unbelief of the people that we're surrounded by. And when you start to witness and when you start to live your life for the Lord, people struggle with that. And Jeremiah had this message that he had to take to the people and the people rejected the message. This is the time that was characterized in a sense of by, in, in, in a sense or the time or the era in which he lived. And being in a situation like that, you can find yourself without hope. You can find yourself being discouraged. So as a result of their apostasy, their backsliding, their turning from God, God allowed them to be taken into captivity by the Babylonian empire. But when he allowed them, here's what I love about the story. When he allowed them to go into captivity with the Babylonian empire, although he was allowing them to be exiled from their land, he was still with them. And it doesn't matter where you're at, what situation you're going through, how bad it gets, how difficult it gets, how dark it may get, guess who's with you? <laughs> the Lord is right there with you. And you can always take courage in the fact and the, and the promise of knowing that he said, I'll never leave nor forsake you. That's good stuff. And that's what brings us to Jeremiah chapter 29. Now I want you to get this. Chapter 29, verse 11, are you there? Here's what God said to Jeremiah when that thing got real difficult for him. Verse 11, he said, for I know the what? Ah, the plan, the thoughts. I know the plan, I know the thoughts that, that I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration, plans for your welfare, not for disaster, to give you a what? A future? and to give you a hope. Verse 12, you will call to me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. And that, there it is, in the midst of everything that Jeremiah was experiencing, in the midst of everything that the nation was experiencing, God still had a plan for them and he still had a hope and a, and a future for them. And just like Israel, God has a hope and a plan for me and you too. And he's concerned with your future value. See, we got this thought, y'all. You know, as we get older, we kind of feel like we start to go down. Do, do anybody feel like that? I don't. But <laughs> the older I get, the better I get. Uh, uh, that's what the text says. Because the, the text says that, it, that even in old age, the righteous are fruitful. I love that. And they, and they grow like the cedars of Lebanon. But we got this thing, though, that at the older we get, we, we talk about retirement. We talk about making our descent. But God wants to use you at every phase of your life because he's invested in your future. In the latter days, he wants to be better than the former days. Because see, here's the thing, in the former days, yeah, we, we live life, we make mistakes, we make choices, we do things that we're, that we're fond of, we do things that, that we're happy with, we do some things that we're not so happy with. But through it all, God is with us, but the, the, but the deal is we have to learn 
from those life events and those circumstances. Because if we don't, when God brings you to the, the land of milk and honey, you can quickly forget about him. And I've, I've been there. How many have been there? When things are really good, when, 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 when the bank account looks really good, I'm talking about when you just like to call and just hear the balance. <laughs> I thought I was the only one who did that. <laughs> Let me just hear it again. And just keep logging on so I can see it. Let me see it again. Right? That's good. And it's good when the cupboard is full. When you can go to the, kitchen, to the kitchen, to the refrigerator, and we've been so blessed, we don't even know what we want to eat. We go to the restaurant and can't choose. That's when, but that's, that's good when it's like that. It's good when you, when you got the activity of your, your, your limbs, when you got your help and your strength. It's good. But man, the moment when things turn, you know, and in those moments, if we're not careful, we'll forget about God. But the moment you have a dark spell, the moment a storm comes, first place we want to run is to the church. And it's like, hey, where were you when the sun was shining? Where, where, where were you when everything was going good? But the moment a storm comes, first place we run is to the church. Reminded of 9-11, y'all remember what that was like. And God said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Prayer is our direct communication with our Heavenly Father. But as a country, much like Israel, we too had abandoned God. And we're still acting in ways void of God. And when 9-11 happened, I remember, I think Gabe was just born. Like he was literally just born because he was born August 17th of, of 01. And Jan was at home nursing Gabe and she called me and said, she thought it was a joke. And we saw that as it happened on our soil and we didn't know what to think. We didn't know what to believe. People were shocked. A lot of us had family and friends that were at the Pentagon, people that we were related to or close to, and it affected all of us. But do you remember what the days were like right immediately following that? Everybody was doing what? Praying. And there were national days of prayer and everybody was shutting down and every church was being filled. People running. Why? Because it's a storm. And then the moment God brings us back to that place, we leave. God has invested in your future. He has given you the indwelling of his Holy Spirit. And he has a plan, a future, and a hope for you. And, and here's the thing I love, and I'm closing with this. The scripture says that God chastens or chastens whom he loves. I thought about that. You know the reason why he deals with us? Because when we start to act in ways that's not consistent with the vision that he has for us, he has to deal with us in order to bring us back in alignment with the vision. Derek, you acting foolish. You didn't got beside yourself. You're not in line with the vision and the future that I have in store for you. I need you to get back in line because I know what I'm doing with you. Your end has already been decreed. 
but I need you to stay faithful and stay in line with it. And that's what the Lord is saying to each of us. He needs us to stay faithful and to stay in line because the plan and the future and the hope that he has for us is a glorious hope and a glorious future. And it ain't going to just happen when we get to heaven. He's going to allow us to taste it all along the way where your life will begin to reflect what it is that God wants to give to you. You may have to cut some folk off along the way. That's just the way it is. I wish I could tell you differently. But you may have to cut some folk off along the way. Not that we hate them. Not that we don't like them. Not that we don't want to see them be blessed. But a lot of folk, just, they just can't go there with you. Because they're not going to be able to understand your own growth and your maturation in Christ. And if they're characterized by worldliness, they're not going to be able to take it. That's real talk. Amen. But God has a hope and a future for this church, for this community, for your life individually, for my life individually. And I don't know about you, I'm going to stick with him. Because I'm thinking about this thing. And, 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 then, and, then, and then think about this. When you start to think about your life five years from now, ten years from now, do you think about your life with God being the center of your life? Or do you just think about your life, living it up, taking trips, you all up in Dubai? <laughs> you know, because you know, when, we, when we think, when we dream, we oftentimes just see the bliss, but we don't see the process. Like, like when I got older, I, I always saw myself, when I dreamed, I, I was just always riding around in a nice car, big, beautiful car. Then I discovered I had to work to pay for it. That wasn't a part of my dream. I never saw myself working in my dream. <laughs> Ever. I, I, I just pulled up to a big house and there was a garage and I had everything in the house, but I never saw myself clocking in. <laughs> my son, Gabe, asked me the same question. He said, he said Dad, um, his dream, he like, you know, Gabe is kind of, you know, he, he Gabe into some, some different stuff. Like Gabe wanted to play, uh, what is that, 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 that ball, that lacrosse? Oh, man, we had a hard time at the house. Our son, what, lacrosse, no, man, no, man. But, but he likes ski boarding and all that type stuff. And this is his dream. And he was like, he said, so, Dad, if, if I want to do ski boarding, can I, can I do that, like, all my life? I said, well, son, the problem with that is, how you gonna do it? How you gonna get to Denver? Are you flying? How did you pay for the ticket? Are you, did you catch an Uber? How you gonna pay the Uber driver? So he's thinking about the dream, but you gotta think about what you gotta do to get there. But again, y'all, when you think about yourself and your future, make sure that God is center of it because God has a purpose for all of us and it's one to give us a hope and a future. Let us pray. Father, we love you and we bless your holy name. We thank you that we can rejoice in what you're doing in our lives. It's great and it's a good thing to know you. It's a great thing to have fellowship with you. So, Father, we know that you have a hope and a future for us. And so I pray for your people 
that we could be patient as you work with each of us. For you said in your word, it is you who works in us to do both your will and your good pleasure. So we humbly submit to that. And then, Father, give us the steadfastness to remain true to the vision that you have concerning us and the place that you want to bring us to, a place of peace, a place of joy, a place of continual bliss and happiness. And we thank you for that. We understand that we have to grow. We understand that there's things that we have to change to harmonize with that vision. So I ask that you would grant your people the strength that they need, that we all need, that we can get in line with your purpose. We love you and we honor you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. The church said together, amen.